Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renewed Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. All right, well, let me ask you again, how's everybody doing today? Yes. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Again, welcome to Renew. If this is your first time at Renew, just want to say we're so glad that you're here. There's a connection card on your chair. It's that, that, uh, that paper. It's perforated. It's got a really pretty lady and then kind of an awkward-looking guy on it. Fill that thing out. Drop it in a bucket on your way out. There's people that hold buckets. There's a, a box. That's our offering, but you can also drop those connection cards. We want to hear from you. We would love to connect with you there. Well, let me, uh, let me start with this. We're, we're getting back into our series called Help Wanted. This is week two, and, and kind of the theme verses for this series is Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. So let's pick up there again. This is what it says. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. In other words, he was doing some really good ministry. And then he saw the crowds, and he had compassion on them. He saw the crowd of people. He had compassion. Some of us, let's, let's make sure we have compassion today, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This is a series called Help Wanted. And it's a 2,000-year-old problem. It's not a Renew problem. It's not a Miami problem. It's not a post-COVID problem. It's been a problem since Jesus was doing ministry 2,000 years ago. And he saw the people. He had compassion because they were harassed and helpless. And he said, the harvest is great, but the workers, they're not so great. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers into his harvest field. So this is the second week in the series. The first week, we talked about your legacy. And I ask that question, what does your legacy look like? I want to show you a little bit. I want you to listen to what part of my legacy is. Let's listen to this together. I will tell you that people that make a commitment, God blesses. God blesses the church. You know where the resources are? The resources are in the harvest. Everybody's sitting around depending on the government, Social Security, a bank, or some rich person, or this or that, or something else. Hey, listen, we don't need a millionaire or billionaire. We need to be an heir of the King of Kings. Amen? If he is our source and we're seeking first his kingdom, he says all of these things will be added. If all of these things don't include all these things, I don't know what all these things include. It's the power of God that's missing. Is that right? If I'm wrong, tell me. I think that's right. I believe what we need is to see God doing something. When people see that the devil's over there doing something, they run over there. But if people see and hear and experience what God's doing, you know what? They start going that direction. But we need a team. We need a family. We need somebody that's with us. I don't care if you're walking across East L.A. or Chicago. You better have somebody walking with you. If you're going to climb a mountain down there in Belize, you better have some Indian boys that's got some machetes that can help you. You'll get lost. The worst thing in the world, I think, is to get lost. I see people standing around with cardboard. They don't have family. They're standing here looking for money, this and that and something else. They don't have family. They need family. We need family. I've got a family. I've got four sons. I'd have more. My, my wife hates kids. <laughs> we've got 10 granddaughters now. My wife was tired of living in the boys' dorm, so we got 10 granddaughters, two grandsons, and they're a blessing. 
My sons, all four of my sons are a blessing. They're, they're not a burden, they're a blessing to me. I can't stop them from giving. Two of them are giving to missions and two of them are pastoring. And, and what could I say? I've got some granddaughters that four or five or six of them have been overseas on mission trips. Some of them are going to get involved in missions. Some of them are right involved in missions right now. Some of them are discipling people right now. And that's, is there anything better than that? I don't know. If, I, don't, I wouldn't take a million dollars in exchange for that. I know that the kingdom of God is alive. I know it's real. I know it's moving. That's uh, for those of you asking who that is or what that is. That's my dad preaching a sermon some five years ago. And um, just wanted you to hear that because that's what uh, his legacy looks like. And, and I'm a part of it. And it's a privilege and it's an honor uh, to be a part of that. Today or yesterday marks the one year anniversary of his passing. So. Man, it, thanks, brother. It stinks because uh, you take it for granted. You know, you take that stuff for granted while they're around. You're like, ah, it's dad calling. Dad, I'll call you back. You know what I'm saying? It's those, those kind of things. And then when he's gone, he's gone. And all you have is memories, audio clips, stuff like that. Heck, you better be bring, bringing me that. Thank you. Okay, here comes Laz. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, so, uh, praise God. All right, I'm done with that. Let's move on. Transition. So, we got we to make sure that our legacy counts, that, that we can look at our life, and it's more than the car we drive, the house you live in, the shoes you wear, that stuff in 100 years, and some of it in 100 days, it's going to be worn out, and uh, nobody will care what kind of shoes you're wearing. What are we doing as a church? What are we doing to change our world, our city, our families? We are called to make a difference. Our, our vision at Renewed Church, we talk about it all the time, is to lead people to a renewed life in Christ. Let's say that together. It's really, really easy. This is the vision statement. Leading people, come on, to a renewed life in Christ. Amen? That's what we're, we're doing. If you ever ask the question, what do we do? It's we're leading people to a renewed life in Christ. So everything that we do needs to be part of that. And if it's not, then why are we doing it? And I'll ask the question oftentimes, why do we do this if it's not leading people to a renewed life in Christ? Last week I talked about the fact that we're on a commission, and that's the Great Commission, that we are called to to fulfill the Great Commission. It wasn't a small commission. It was a Great Commission to go and make disciples. And every believer is a missionary, and everyone that doesn't believe is a mission field. So you are, if you're a believer, you are a missionary. Another core value at Renew Church is we disciple people through small groups. You should have in the little rack in front of you, you should have one of these small groups cards because they start this week. And I want you to get involved in a group. If you're not in a group, I want you to get in a group. There's men's groups and women's groups and couples groups and CR type groups. There's all kinds of places for you to get plugged in. We want you to be a part of it because one of our core values is we disciple people through small groups. Today, my message is entitled, What's in it for me? And uh, maybe you've ever asked that question when somebody made you an offer of some kind, there was an upgrade opportunity or a chance to get the extended warranty or to sign up for a promotion, and you're like, well, what's in it for me? You know, every time I go on an airplane, they want me to pay 29 more dollars to be able to get on the plane five minutes faster. And I'm like, 
I want to be on the plane less time. Why would I give you $29 more to, for five minutes? You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't make sense. And I'm always thinking to myself, in everything, what's in it for me? What's the benefit for me? Because I, I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for a deal. And in, in this message, we're asking the question, what's in it for me? So there, there's a, a couple of passages in the Old Testament, one of which I've already alluded to was Isaiah 61. Another is, is Psalm 51. Psalm 51, to give you a little bit of backstory, it's a psalm of repentance for David when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. Some of you may know the story. If you don't, you can read that. I think it's in 1 Kings. If I mess that up, I'll find it and I'll tell you where it is. But uh, you can hear that story of what happened. But this is his psalm of repentance when he sought God in the, in the midst of the, 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 the scandal that he caught himself in. He says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. He said, I'm bringing you my broken spirit. A contrite heart you, God, will not despise. And then he says, may it please, verse 18, he says, may it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. For when they rebuilt the walls, and I'm, I'm, I'm stopping there, when they rebuilt the walls, God would once again delight in their offering and their sacrifice. I hate to say it, but if you, if you read further into this story, you know that because of David's sin, because of his adultery, because of his commitment, there were consequences to his sin. In fact, he lost the child that was born to Bathsheba. That, that child died. But David still came before God and said, God, create in me a pure heart. God, begin to do a new work in me. And one of his prayers was, God, may it please you to prosper Zion to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Okay, Zion is a word for God's kingdom, and we are citizens of God's kingdom here and now. David wanted to see, wanted to see these walls built because broken walls equal broken people. Oftentimes, broken walls equal broken people. So he wanted to see a restoration happen. Isaiah 61, the one that I just read, the verses I read during our time of prayer, similar, uh, you know, Isaiah saying, God, uh, begin to do uh, an exchange Beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, a garment of praise instead of a despair. And then he says in verse 4, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated for generations. Isaiah, David, and then who we're going to talk about in Nehemiah, they, they all wanted to see a rebuilding because, again, uh, broken walls sometimes equals broken people. Things that are on the outside often reflect what is on the inside. Our primary text today is Nehemiah chapter 1. And this is where we're going to kind of camp out today, but this is one more story of some broken walls. And it says in Nehemiah 1 verse 1, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Han and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish uh, remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem, okay? So, in other words, he's in the citadel of Susa. He's not in his homeland. He's not back with his, his um, ancestors. He's in, in this Babylonian place. And here he's in this, this, this place where he's in comfort and posh and, and the palace. 
but there's a, an exile that showed up and he's asking about them. And he's saying, like, what happened to our people back in Jerusalem? And he said, those who survived the exile are back in the province. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And then he says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. As I mentioned earlier, broken walls are oftentimes a picture of broken people. What's on the outside is reflective oftentimes of what's on the inside. So for Babylon, their walls, they were 80 foot thick. Like literally, they built their walls so thick, they literally built mountains around their city to say, this is how powerful we are. Jerusalem, their walls were in ruins. It, they were broken down, and, and uh, it symbolized not just, just the physical structure, but a people in a homeland. Miami's walls, they might not look quite that bad. I mean, if, if you're flying over, overhead in, a, in an airplane from 30,000 feet, everything looks pretty good. If you're driving down the turnpike, uh, it looks pretty good. It's always like, I, I drive down the turnpike, and I'm like, man, this is really nice, and then I hear the little toll thing. I don't really hear it because it doesn't bing, but you know what I'm saying? I'm thinking to myself, there goes $1.55. You know, like every mile and a half, they're charging me $1.55 to have those beautiful coconut palms down the center of the turnpike. They are gorgeous. But let me say this, this, this is not the norm of the city. This isn't everything that the city is. Look beyond those walls, look beyond the turnpike, inside the homes, what's going inside the hearts of many people in Miami, and the people oftentimes are living in ruins. And you might say, well, that's not my problem, Trevor. Why are we talking about this? I, I didn't cause this. It's not my fault that the world is the way it is. It's not my fault that Miami is the way that it is. And I would argue it is your problem. I, I'm not saying it's your fault, but it is your problem. Because as I often tell my daughters, if you're not part of the solution, anybody know the rest of this? If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem, right? Oftentimes, if you are not a part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And he says... Uh, uh, Nehemiah says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. You'll never be able to rebuild the walls around you until you're able to weep over the ruins. If what you see happening in your community doesn't break your heart, you're never going to be able to make a difference in the world around you. And that's what's wrong with our community. We're not weeping over the ruins. We, we have become cold and callous to the things around us. In fact, we have these 25-foot walls on the turnpike so we can literally drive right past the problem areas in our city and pretend like there's not a problem whatsoever. It's not my problem, it's theirs. Until we do something, we won't be able to make a difference. So let's keep reading. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 5. So he, in the, the first verses, he hears what happens. He knows what's going on. He mourns, weeps, fasts, and he prays. And then it says, this is his prayer. He prays this prayer, verse 5. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. Nehemiah right here is taking responsibility. He says in verse 7, We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. 
He's talking about his ancestors. He's talking about the generations that went before him and his extended family. He's saying, we have not done this. He's taking that responsibility. He's not even in the city. He's not there. He's not back in his homeland, but he's accepting that responsibility. And then he says, remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. That's what's happening. That's the exile. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And then that last verse of Nehemiah 1 is, I was cupbearer to the king. That's the man he's talking about. That's the one that he was praying that God would help him as he goes before him. I, I want to kind of take you through some points. If you've got your worship guide, you can follow along. There's, there's four blanks that you would be filling in uh, as we go along. The first point is, is Nehemiah cries for the concern of his people. Nehemiah cries for the concern of his people. For, he, it says in verse 4, he mourned, he wept, he fasted, and he prayed. Nehemiah was broken for his people. And some of you, some of us, we need to get a broken heart for the people around us. If you don't have a broken heart for broken people, you might have a heart problem. May we never get too calloused when one of our teens quits coming to Misfit or a, a resident leaves the Hope Center. May we never just say, oh, well, it is what it is. No, may we cry for those around us that are hurting. The second thing that Nehemiah did is he confessed. He confessed his sin and the sin of the people. He says, we confess our sin and the sin of our people. I, I confess we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. So we've got to stop saying it's not my problem or I didn't do it. If you don't start taking responsibility for the problems in your community, they will only get bigger. And as I said before, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. So he confessed, God, I, I, we need you. Our, our people, your people, your children, including me, we need you. So he cries, he confesses, and then he commits. The third part is, see, commits to build a wall that had been torn down for some 100 years, and he rebuilds it in 52 days. He becomes no longer a part of the problem. He becomes a part of the solution. And he says, I'm going to help our people return to you. He commits to making this happen. And he reminds God that, God, your commitment is that if we'll turn, if we'll, if we'll change who we are, then you will bring us back. You will gather us from the farthest horizon and bring us into your dwelling. So he cries, he confesses. He follows that by a commitment that he's going to do his part to leave the palace and to go wherever it takes to get it done. And then the fourth point is, is Nehemiah has courage. Nehemiah has courage. Why? Why did he have courage? Well, you can read that for yourself in Nehemiah chapters 2 through 7. You'll see why that he had to go before the king, his king that, that he was serving under, the king that he was the cupbearer to, Artaxerxes, and he had to go to him for help, for permission, for authorization and for resources. 
Nehemiah had to go and, 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 and stand up to, to this king that could literally, at the word, take his life, have him executed. And he needed courage to stand up to the king to ask him for help to rebuild his homeland. He knew that within his uh, you know, surrounding, he couldn't do it on his own, but with the resources that God has put in his path, he would be able to make a difference and get that help that he needed. He needed courage to face those that opposed him, people like Sam Ballad and others that, that, that were against him. He needed courage to leave the comfort of the palace to go rebuild the walls. You see, for, for Nehemiah, he wasn't saying, what's in it for me? For Nehemiah, he wasn't just saying, you know what, I mean, I hear your problem, I know what's going on in Jerusalem, but what's in it for me? I got everything here. I'm good here. I'm in the palace. Like, I, I, I've got royal food and drink I got around good company. Like, I'm basically almost royalty. I go to the best parties. Life was really, really good for Nehemiah. So what's in it for him? Hardship, risk, possible death. I propose to you that instead of Nehemiah saying, what's in it for me, Nehemiah said, whatever it takes. Instead of saying, what's in it for me? Nehemiah, when he heard the, 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 the concerns and the, the brokenness of his people, the exile of the, the Israelites, he didn't say, what's in it for me? It's not my problem. He said, whatever it takes. And he faced his critics, those that, that said, even if a fox climbs up the wall, it would break down. He, he faced his enemies. It says in chapter 4, verse 17 of Nehemiah, it says, together the Israelite people took on the the task with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other, family by family, shoulder to shoulder, building back this wall. While the enemy was coming against them, they literally, night and day, for 52 days, they rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem that had been torn down for 100 years. So I started the sermon asking the question, what's in it for me? For Nehemiah, it's a wall and restoration of his homeland, but he didn't have to do it. He could have easily sat back and enjoyed the luxury of the palace in the citadel of Susa. He could have easily said, it's not my problem. But he, as we said before, if you, you're not the part of the solution. You are part of the problem. I think that's the same attitude that we find 21 years ago today. The attitude of some first responders and some people that, that gave of their lives, literally waking up that morning on 9-11-2001, September the 11th, thinking that it was just another day to serve and protect and maybe you know, help a, a, a cat out of a tree or, or, or somebody that, that was uh, you know, breaking the law. But all of a sudden, at around 9 a.m., September the 11th, the world changed, our nation changed, and, and for these men and women, these first responders, it was, it was everything. For these first responders, they, they didn't say, what's in it for me, when they saw those towers that were burning. They didn't say, well, what am, what am I supposed to do about this? You know what they did? They said, whatever it takes. They literally ran into danger, ran into the fire, and risked their lives, and 415 of them gave their lives, never coming back out. I don't know. 
I don't know how many more would have, have, have uh, died had it not been for those 415 that gave up everything that day. But it's because those men and women did what they did that we're here today. It's because of those men and women that we honor, that, that we can celebrate and continue to celebrate the freedoms that we have. I think about this, like the, the ongoing effects of what, what has happened. I mean, think about the first uh, responders, but then think about the, the, the kids that looked up to them. Think about the, the people that said, you know what, I don't like what happened to my country, so now I'm going to join in armed forces and I'm going to be a part of making a difference. I'm going to go fight the war against terror. I, I'm not going to just say what's in it for me or that's not my problem. So many more over the last 20 years saw that thing saw that problem and they said, I'm going to be a part of the solution. I'm going to go make a difference. May we not be a people that pretend like everything's fine, that it doesn't matter, that we could just continue to go uh, on living as if everything's fine when all around us there's brokenness and devastation. Think about what's happened lately even in our own city. Think about the, this, this police officer that, that uh, was not even supposed to work that day. I think he was taking a shift for somebody else, Cesar Echeverri, and killed in the line of fire, protecting and fighting against the evil in the world. And I say, man, what about us? Maybe not literally carrying guns and fighting the enemy, doing these, these kind of things, but the brokenness, the, the enemy of this dark world. Are we willing to be first responders? Are we willing to be a part of making the difference? Are we willing to be in that solution and not just the problem? The, the police and the fire, fire and the paramedics, they put their lit, lit, life at risk every day they have the whatever it takes attitude and it's the same attitude that I'm challenging you to have to say you know what whatever it takes for those people that are literally maybe on the brink of, of death spiritually maybe not physically maybe not not from from uh, you know murderers and robbers and other things but those that are trying to steal the soul from Satan himself and maybe you're the one that can go and respond. Maybe you're the one that can go and rebuild and, and restore what was broken. I'm going to give you two practical applications, two things that I want you to, to kind of consider as you say, what's in it for me and how am I going to be a difference maker? How am I going to begin to make a difference? First of all, you have the card that was handed to you. It says five for five on it. It's this little... Uh, lined card right here and, and this is a, a top five card it's something we use a few times a year to say who are the people that God would put in your life and in your path that you would say you know what I'm going to stand for these people it might be a, a spouse it might be a child it might be a neighbor it might be a, a classmate whatever it is who are your five that are, are ruined and in ruins and they've got broken down walls and you can be the one to stand for them. 
You can be the one to go and help rebuild their lives, that you can go and make a difference. I'm asking you to begin to pray about and say, who are my top five? We do this three times a year. We do it at Christmas, we do it at Easter, and then we do it in the fall. And for the fall event, it's called Hero Sunday, October the 2nd. And it's our evangelistic event where we're challenging and we're, we're inviting the community to come to be a part of this. We're going to have a, a, a special day to honor first responders, to, to say thank you to those that, that sacrifice, that, that serve in our, our law enforcement and fire and EMTs. But you can invite them, but you can invite just families and community people, people that you know that, that you would say, man, I want you to come to Renew Church. It's going to be games and fun and food and uh, hopefully a helicopter is going to land and, and uh, some other cool stuff so that people can have good photo opportunities. But most importantly, it might be the start of a brand new relationship with Jesus for somebody. Maybe one of your people, maybe one of the people that you're praying for that you would say, man, I'm going to go and I'm going to help them rebuild their life. I want to challenge you to be a part of that. Not saying what's in it for me, but instead whatever it takes. That's October the 2nd invite people. You have invite cards on your chairs. You can also take some more on your way out this morning. The second part of this is, is the help wanted card. It's in the little metal rack in front of you. There are so many papers today. It's like you guys are walking out with all kinds of uh, information today. But this is the help wanted card. We talked about it last week, but I'm talking about it again in case you didn't get it. On your way out this morning, we don't want you to, to, to lead the normal way. We want you to kind of take a detour. We want you to walk through and see all the different ministry areas that we have that people can get plugged in and connections and worship and production and kids and uh, serving with youth and small groups and, and, and helping with our Hope Center. All of these things are great opportunities for you to meet a leader, talk to somebody and say, you know what? I can make a difference. We want everybody to be a part. We're not asking everybody to come and serve twice a week, every week. But if everybody does a little bit, we're going to start rebuilding the ruins. We're going to start making a difference in our city. It's going to start changing the culture of not just Renew Church, but the city around us. And people are going to start talking about the things that are happening at Renew Church. I pray that for you, that you would be a part, that you would say, not what's in it for me, but whatever it takes. Even if it's just twice a month at 9.15, coming at 9.15 and standing in the parking lot and saying, I'm glad you're here. Even if it's just twice a month in the kids' ministry and shadowing and, and, and serving with the elementary age kids and saying, you know what, I can, I can help a teacher, I can assist a teacher twice a month at 10.35. Wherever it is, whatever it is, I'm challenging you to say, you know what, I need to get involved. I need to have that same kind of compassion that Jesus had for those that were harassed, harassed and helpless. I need to have that same kind of heart that, that is mourning and weeping and fasting and praying like Nehemiah did for the people in his homeland. I want to begin to rebuild a broken and torn down city. It takes all of us. This isn't a church where it's just up to the staff or the pastor pastoral staff or leadership. It's, it's, it's a church where everybody's involved. It's, it's a New Testament church where everybody realizes that they're all together. They had everything in common and, 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 and it's not about the, the priest doing the priestly duties and everybody else just receiving and, and, and it's not about contributors. I mean, just consumers. It's, it's about contributors and those that are making a difference to reach those that don't know Jesus. Because remember what I said, every lost person is a mission field and every believer 
as a missionary. Would you stand with me this morning? I don't know where God is speaking to you, what he's speaking to you about. I, I hope that he's already started putting names on your, on your mind, people that you're going you're gonna to write down, and you're going to just take that card, and you're going to begin to think about, God, help me. Give me an opportunity to invite my friend to Hero Sunday. Maybe it's a first responder. That'd be a, a great opportunity because we want to honor and, and recognize first responders. We have some gifts for them and some cool stuff that we're doing for them. But if you don't know police or firefighters or EMTs, Bring anybody on October the 2nd for Hero Day. Help them to, to see that Renew Church is a place not, not just about you know, helping civic leaders, but it's a place about where spiritual leaders are helping grow more spiritual leaders. Come and be a part of that. I, I hope also that God's calling you to say, you know what, there's some broken walls in my city, and I'm going to be a part. No matter how small, no matter how insignificant, and I know many of you, your excuse is, well, I don't have time. No, you have time. We all have the same amount of time. It's 168 hours. I did the math. We all have time. It's what you choose to do with your time. Does that make sense? I know that it's hard. I know it's a sacrifice, but I'm asking you, pray for and consider, can you give some of your time to help us make a difference? Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. God, we're... Uh, thankful for this time and for what you're going to do. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just begin to work in the hearts and lives of your people, that they would just, whatever the distractions are, whatever the thoughts are coming in their mind, how they're, they're trying to tune you out or tune me out, pray that they would not. They would just check back in. Say, okay, God, are you speaking to me? Who are my five? Who are my people? God, are you speaking to me? Who is, who's the, 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 the area? What's the ministry that I could get involved in? How can I use my gifts to be on stage or be behind the scenes, to be in the parking lot or with the kids? How can I help a, a, a person struggling with addiction? How can I begin to make, discover my purpose and begin to make a difference? God, begin to reveal yourself to these people in the room and even those online. God, each and every person within the sound of my voice. The first step, as I always say, is the step to get right with God. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you can't jump in. You can't get involved if you're not involved, if, you're not, if you haven't become one of those missionaries. Because every believer is a missionary. But if you're not a believer, if you haven't surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus and asked Him to come in and forgive you and make you new, then, then we got to get that right first. If today God's speaking to you and He's saying, hey, give me your life. Surrender surrender this whatever it is maybe it's a brand new commitment or it's a recommitment whatever it is if God's speaking to you I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me it's a prayer that goes like this and if you're a believer I invite you to pray it out loud even now but it's a prayer that goes like this dear heavenly father I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin I know that I'm a sinner that I've made mistakes. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Make me a new creation. Today, I declare you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. With your heads, continue to be bowed for just a minute. If that was you today, if that prayer was just for you today, nobody else in the room, Scripture says that 
a multitude of angels would rejoice even for the one. If that was you today, you made a new commitment or a recommitment, would you just lift your hand just so I can acknowledge it? If that was you today, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. God, you see hands, but more than that, you see hearts. And I thank you, God, for these that have lifted their hands and also just said, God, I want to be a part. God, for the people in the room now that are saying, you know what, I've known Jesus my whole life, but I've just kind of been in the what's in it for me category, and I need to move to the whatever it takes category. God, I pray that they'd take a step, that they'd say yes to you, that they wouldn't just stay complacent or comfortable just passing by those that are hurting and helpless, but instead, like Jesus did, that they would have compassion on them that's you today, if God's speaking to you and you've got to step up and you're going to say, I, w- I want to be a part, I'm going to, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to invite people on, on Hero Sunday, but I'm also going to get involved at Renew Church. I'm going, to, I'm going to get involved in an area of ministry. I'm going to do something. If that's you, with your heads bowed, would you just lift your hand if that's you? You're going to step in. You're going to jump in. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God, thank you. Thank you for the work you're doing in hearts and lives. Help these your people do what only you can do, God, to, to uh, change lives, to renew lives, to transform hearts, but use them as your messengers. Thank you for this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, let's sing this closing song together.
Yes, Lord. You can have it all. Is that your prayer this morning? Man, I, I just want to take a moment. Can we just honor the life of Tom Pound? Can we celebrate the life of Tom Pound? Clap it up. Make some noise like...
And don't take it from me. Don't hear it from me. I actually want to bring up my good friend, Carlos Nieves Sr., and he's going to share. Give it up for him. He's going to share a little bit about. He's going to share about what small groups have done for his life. Um, small groups to me have changed my life uh, I was brought not only to small groups but to church by my son so you have him to blame for me being up here um, we started coming to church and he was coming to um, men's group religiously every week and I'm like what's he doing what's going on so I love being with him and I followed him and came in and there was a bunch of guys sitting around and I'm going, oh God, what are we doing? It changed my life because uh, these guys, they, they just come in and they start pouring their lives out and slowly you start realizing that they're talking about stuff that I'm going through. And the, and the wonderful thing is, whatever is said there, it's a bond between men that stays there. So it's a safe place. And you can, and you can tell your friends your problems, your, your hurts, and nobody's going to go anywhere with it. And um, it's, it's a, it, I challenge any one of you guys give it a month four, four days come to small groups four days in four days if you don't like it go away I guarantee you that it will change your life check out small groups again Miami forward slash small groups also Child dedication is coming up September the 18th. If you have a small child and you want to dedicate them before the Lord, reach out to one of our RC Kids uh, leaders or team members. Um, this is a great opportunity for some of your friends and family who aren't churched, who wouldn't want to go to church for any other reason, but they would come to see your kid. They would come to support you and your family. So invite your friends, invite your family. If you have a small child, let's get that going. Also, Growth Track is immediately after the service. If you've never gone, get to see a little bit behind the scenes of, of who Renew Church is and what it is that we're doing and how you can be a part of that. It's in the Connections Room, um, the building to your right. And then lastly, we're having this Serve Fair. It's the second week. Man, so when you get out of here, I have some instructions. When you get out of the Worship Center, you're going to make a left, and you're going to go down this hallway here. Check out the tables. Ask questions. See where you can fit in in the mission of Renew Church. All of our ministry areas are going to be represented. Uh, man, check it out. Grab some information. Have a conversation. Um, and I promise you it'll be worth, it'll be worth your time. Um, lastly, for real, lastly, I've said that like three times. If you'd like to give to Renew Church, I just want to let you know that there's a few ways that you can do that. The first way to do that is in person via the envelopes in the seat pocket in front of you. And you can drop them off in one of the buckets on your way out. The second way to do that is to do it online by visiting renew.miami forward slash giving. And the third and final way to do that is to do it via text by texting give to 786-565-1165. pray with me? God, we thank you for this day, Lord. We pray, uh, we pray over this offering. 
God, pray that you would bless it. Pray that you would use it, Father. Help it to expand your kingdom here on earth. Uh, we pray that you would bless these people, Father, as they give and as they worship you in this way. Uh, God, you know what we're going through, Father. You know what we need. You know the breakthroughs, God. Help us, convict us, encourage us, Father. Lead us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. See you over there.